Hi, my name is Ashton Fish, and I'm the host for Sound Mind podcast and blog. Today, I'm interviewing Paul Kuzma, the director for Spiritual Renewal East, and he's going to talk about emotional health and also burnout. I hope you enjoy the episode today. Well, Paul, thank you so much for being on here with us today. I remember you as a senior pastor in Simi Valley, and then you went to the East Coast because now you are the director for spiritual renewal on the East Coast. You meet with hundreds of pastors all year long, helping them with just uh, different mental health issues or different soul care issues. So can you explain a little bit about yourself for people that might not know you today? Yeah, yeah. After serving uh, almost 30 years pastoring at the same church, New Heart Foursquare Church in Simi Valley, um, I transitioned uh, to the East Coast to Christiansburg, Virginia. I know a lot of people don't believe that a pastor would move to a place called Christiansburg, but it really is true. It really does exist. Where um, the Foursquare Church as a denomination uh, owns and operates a campus uh, that used to be the site of a Life Bible College East until it closed in the early 2000s. They repurposed the property as Cross Point Conference Center, and there are a few ministries that now meet on the campus. It's an 80-plus acre campus. And one of those ministries very early on that was established in 2006 by my predecessor, Chuck Shoemake, is Center for Spiritual Renewal East, which is essentially, a ret- it's a retreat center for Foursquare pastors and their families. And when I'm talking to groups of Foursquare pastors, Ashton, actually, I love to, to say, did you know that as a Foursquare pastor, Foursquare actually gives you the gift of a timeshare? And uh, we invite you to come out for a week, a year of free lodging in a, an exclusive apartment uh, that's plushed out and uh, pampers to, to hopefully any need that you would have for that week in a beautiful rural country-like setting. And uh, we invite you to come for anything from a study break to some Sabbath rest. And then if you have any need for counseling while you're there, I, I do the counselor. So I'm the pastoral counselor on staff at CSR East. Um, so, uh, so that's what I do full-time. And then on a part-time basis, a, a small part-time role I serve is actually with Pete and Jerry Scazzaro. Uh, Pete is the author of Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, uh, among several other books, but that's the cornerstone book of the ministry that's now known as Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. I've actually been working with Pete in some kind of a role, a volunteer Uh, mostly volunteer for 15 years. And then the last couple of years, we've developed a role uh, that we call Emotionally Healthy Discipleship Course Coach, where I coach pastors across the country wanting to integrate the Emotionally Healthy Discipleship Course into their discipleship pathway. And then about a year ago, we trained uh, about eight other uh, coaches, pastors across the nation that have been integrating EHD into their discipleship pathway. So now I'm uh, serving as the director of those coaches as well. So I do that on a part-time basis. Wow, that is awesome, Pastor Paul. Thank you for breaking that down. And I, I kind of want to sure. launch right into this now because emotional health is so huge right now. As so many people yes. are still at their stay-at-home orders, um, they're you know encountering their families in a new way, their jobs in a new way. Church has right. completely changed. 
Um, yes. And as we're specifically, you know, talking about Foursquare leaders and, and next gen leaders, it's changed for us too. You know, the whole church yes. is, is changing. And so I want to talk about that emotionally healthy spirituality. So I just want to ask a basic uh, question and then a follow up question. It's this, uh, what are signs that you are emotionally healthy? And then two, what are signs that you're not emotionally healthy? Can you help us break down this emotionally healthy spirituality? Yeah, sure. So signs of emotional health, uh, really, Ashton would have to do. I, I, I don't believe that emotional health is necessarily a place that any of us arrive to or can, can even say that we're experts in, even for those of us in the emotional health or mental health field. Um, I, I shy away from the use of the word expert. I like to consider myself a fellow explorer, uh, somebody who, who just journeys with other people in their own emotional health process. But some of the signs that would lean towards somebody being emotionally healthy would be to have a good sense of self, which most pastors aren't really trained in. We're actually trained in being selfless. And we view uh, having a healthy relationship with who we are as a person. In psychobabble terms, we call that a relationship with self or a healthy sense of self. In biblical terms, we would call it really knowing who you are in Christ. Knowing who you are in Christ, require, being healthy requires that we, we know who we were and who we sometimes are when we're without Jesus. Uh, I don't mean to be controversial theologically there. I don't believe that once we, once I've given my heart to Christ, he lives in me. He is with me always. But I still have that old flesh issue. We all do, that old man, new man issue yeah. that we're wrestling with. So I, I don't know that we can know the new man without knowing something about it, being able to admit the old man. Um, so that that's a little bit just on having a healthy sense of self, of who you are, of what your gifts and strengths are. And uh, I, I think another sign and symbol of emotional health has to do with relationships and how you relate to other people. I think that's a really key sign, actually, of emotional health. If you're it, uh, on the converse side of that or the opposite side of that, of I think a sign of emotional unhealth would be um, if, if you have kind of a, a littered path behind you of relationships, lots of cutoff relationships. Nobody has a, a 100 or a, nobody's batting a thousand in all of the relationships in their lives, especially when we submit ourselves to actually being leaders. Um, but if, if relationships are constantly breaking all around you, I think that can be a sign of not being emotionally healthy. Um, and then I, I think an, another sign, especially as we relate it to pastors of emotional health, is when we're taking what I consider two circles, and and really I, I borrow this from Pete Scazzaro, the two circles of, of activism, or in other words, not, not being necessarily politically active, but activism in terms of our activity for God and our being with God. And when those two circles are lopsided, either way, by the way, when one circle is bigger than the other, I think that leans us into emotional unhealth. Um, but I think in, in the world of pastors, uh, we tend to be much, a whole lot more active doing for God 
than we are spending time being with God. So I think that's another measure of emotional health that, that I'm constantly using as kind of a gauge for my own soul health, even emotional health. Yeah, that's so good, Pastor Paul. And, and I think you're so right in the sense of we're not taught to have a good view of ourselves in Christianity often. That's a kind of a heresy that's been around for um, just this time of just, oh, put yourself aside. And, and it's kind of like we have this negative view of ourselves, our bodies, our minds, you know, that is corrupted. And like you said, we need to admit that, but also we need to know who we are. And in fact, when we know who we are, we begin to find out who God is and vice versa. Absolutely. Absolutely true. <laughs> we know who yes. we are. And so what are some like three practical ways right now that a leader can get emotionally healthy? What are three things just practically right now that we could do as leaders? Yeah, that, that's a great question. And I'll try, I'll try and narrow it down to three. I, I think the top three in my list, uh, number one would be to pay attention to uh, the health of your soul. And, and that very practically, that would mean paying attention to lots of the practical human sides of who we are. Um, we can, again, we can, we can be so active for God that we don't get much rest. Um, we can, we can find ourselves kind of leaning into the view that, you know, I'd rather, uh, I'd rather burn out than rust out is what some pastors will say. So they just keep themselves active and they don't have much of a theology of rest. Um, Sabbath. I would consider Sabbath a part of that. Uh, I have been finding talking to pastors, especially over the last two months, since the the global pandemic has been such an issue, that one of the first things that's gone out the window is Sabbath for a lot of pastors that were even actively practicing and consistently practicing Sabbath pre-pandemic. So I'm talking to a lot of pastors about reintegrating Sabbath. What does Sabbath look like? Uh, in the life of a pastor as we're working through this odd, weird season of time. So everything around self-care, and I'm wrapping Sabbath into that. Um, So regular sleep patterns, uh, regular exercise patterns, uh, regular interaction. Uh, I think another issue, I, I, I would kind of take this into a number two, would be, I've been talking a lot with pastors about reworking that phrase social distancing to physical distancing. That really what we've been asked to do these last couple months, even though the term culturally and even legally in all these stay-at-home orders is social distancing, that's the last thing we need. We need physical distancing, but we really need social interaction. So staying connected with family members, friends, uh, you know, pe- even, even people in the church, even if it's by Zoom like this, I think is, is really important. A lot of pastors are reporting just a sense of isolation right now and feeling incredibly lonely. So spending some, I've been encouraging pastors to look for ways they can spend some time with friends, family members. I've been connecting, uh, one example would be that uh, my Bible college roommates from 35 years ago now, uh, the three of us uh, and myself have reconnected on Zoom 
and we've done two get-togethers and have, have started to schedule one Friday evening a month that we're just connecting on Zoom, just talking about life. Um, so even if it's, even if they're just people you're thinking about during this season of time you haven't connected with in a long time, I, I'm encouraging folks to reach out, reach out to them. So, so self-care that has to do with a lot of the uh, physical uh, kinds of issues and rhythms, important to take care of, number one. Number two, connecting with people socially. And then, uh, and then number three, I'm, I'm going to just say paying attention to either your marriage or singleness. You are, you're one of folks or one or the other. Um, and uh, there's been a lot of attention, I would say right now, actually focused on how to help marriages get through this time. And I actually see singles being left out quite a bit. So I, I think paying attention to your marriage or your singleness, whatever status uh, you're in and, and what it looks like for you uh, to, to maintain health of relationship through a season of time like this is really, really important. Yeah, that's so good. And so with that, um, if I can just ask you a follow-up question, I think a lot of the people that are going to be watching this are going to be more on the single side. And I think you're so right. People right now are getting left out that are single. So what are some things for a single person um, in particular that you're encouraging right now? Well, there's a couple things I'm encouraging. One is if, if you have family that's nearby, it's, it may not be a bad season to reconnect with family. For a while. I've met with a couple of pastors that have been single who haven't really thought of that, and they have actually uh, reconnected a couple of youth pastors that have actually, one, they've uh, gone and stayed with their family because they're with their family regularly anyways, and they didn't need to socially or physically distance for disease purposes. So they, they went and just moved in temporarily with their family again so that they wouldn't be alone another youth pastor that actually has such a good relationship with their senior pastor, which I realize isn't always the case. Mm -hmm. uh, the first, my first uh, eight years uh, in ministry at that church in Simi Valley, I was a youth pastor uh, and actually got to serve, as I think about it, a couple of years as the district youth rep as well, served with a Don, back when Don Long was the district supervisor of the Southern California district. Oh, wow, that's awesome. Um, yeah. So a, another youth pastor that I was working with, that, that they have such a good relationship and friendship with their senior pastor and, and the kids of that family that they actually, they went and stayed with that family for the first several weeks of the pandemic so that they wouldn't be alone. Um, I'm not necessarily advocating that that's the best thing for every single person out there. Uh, but, but I think it's important to, especially when you're single, to look for the places where you've got connections so that you don't end up isolating. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, what you were saying there was so, I didn't think about that, the whole social distancing, that's wrong language. It should be physical right. distancing. And there's another popular hashtag that's um, hashtag alone together. I don't know if you've seen that one. Um, mm, no, I haven't seen that one yet, okay. But I feel like there's yeah. all of these hashtags right now or, or campaigns that's just the wrong language. And yes. I mean, how can you be alone together, right? Yes. You know, oxymoron. Yes. You know, so yes. right, as you're talking to all these leaders, is there anything else that you're kind of giving as advice or is there, are there any other kind of things that are bubbling up to the top that 
you're, you're saying, man, I'm, I'm just seeing this with a lot of leaders and this is maybe some advice I want to give those leaders. Yeah, I would say, I would say, especially I would add paying attention to grief and loss during this season of time. Uh, there's a, a great, I'll, I'll mention it here, I don't happen to have it handy, but, but just so we've got it kind of on record, I would encourage pastors to take a look uh, for the seven stages of coronavirus grief graphic that was done by um, the Wesleyan Church Chief of Staff in their central offices. His name is David Drury, D-R-U-R-Y. And at his website, daviddrury.com, he, he put together uh, the seven stages of grief uh, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross is, is known for having put together what were originally five stages of grief, and others over the years have expanded that into seven stages. David Drury took these seven stages, and in the stages, it's, it's a little bit humorous. He starts each stage by giving the common identifiers, uh, shock, uh, pain, uh, anger, I can't remember all of the seven right off the top of my head, but it, it goes into acceptance and building new meaning. And, and he uses all those descriptors, but then he'll go into other descriptors that specifically have to do with being uh, in this coronavirus pandemic. Um, paying attention to the grief. And, and we talk about in the seven stages that the first four have to do with negative emotions. And then the, the final three usually have to do with uh, like, for instance, uh, stage six is the upward turn, which means that we start to feel better uh, in, in the from whatever we've lost. Some of the depression is starting to lift, that kind of thing. What I'm finding unique to pastors, Ashton, is that especially in, in the first month of the pandemic, when all of a sudden we had to take our churches online, in, in the context of those st seven stages of coronavirus grief, pastors rushed to stages five, six, and seven, trying to make meaning of the season, going to the upward turn, acceptance of where we are, and they've kind of skipped the negative emotions of grief. And if we're not careful, that can come back and bite us. So I'm actually encouraging pastors to pay attention to some of those negative emotions, the shock, some of the despair, some of the anger, the bargaining, the depression, pay attention to those because the reality is that unprocessed emotions never die. They only get buried alive. Yeah, wow, that's so good. Unprocessed emotions never die. Never die, they, they get buried alive. alive. Wow. Yeah, and I think that's a temptation, right, for every leader, is we have to have the answer. We have to know yes. what's going on. And the reality is, yes. <laughs> I mean, watch the news, look at anything. No one knows really what's going on. So let's sit in yes. the loft for a minute and just allow yes. God to, to comfort us. You know, blessed are those yes. who mourn, for you'll be comforted. So if you don't yeah. mourn, you're not going to have comfort. And so yeah. I think that's yeah. such a good um, reminder for, for us right now in pastors. And and I think yeah. really the, the last question I want to, to ask you, it kind of goes into this of, I think a lot of pastors right now are on the verge of burnout. And a lot of people I talk to is, man, this, I'm working more than I ever have. Like you mentioned before, and people, 
know, people aren't taking their Sabbath uh, times or resting and, you know, we're working, working, working. And then also, um, you know, in other Sound Mind podcasts and blogs, we talked about how we're kind of in the state of survival. And so just being in the state of survival emotionally, we're more drained. We have a hard time sleeping. We have a hard time processing. Yes. I mean, everything is just harder. And so in this unique time of COVID-19, how do we not burn out? I mean, what, what do we do to get to a place where we don't burn out? Because I'm even personally right now, I'm starting to feel it a little bit, you know, that kind of haze, yes. you know what I'm talking about? That fog where you're just yes. like, Oh, there's so much going Absolutely. on. How do I focus on the right things? And you know, I can't because this is due and you know what I mean? There's just this detention yes. right now. So um, yes. Paul, fix all of our problems. Help us Paul. Help us. <laughs> well, I wish I could do all that. I certainly can't do all that, but I, I do think I've got a couple of hints along the way. Uh, a couple of them are general. A couple of them would be, I think, maybe pandemic specific. Uh, so, you know, one, the, probably the, the most important thing is to admit our susceptibility to burnout. Uh, I remember when I first, uh, what, what took me eventually after many years into counseling, Ashton, was a significant run-in with burnout and clinical depression that I had 19 years ago um, that almost knocked me out of ministry, except for a few leaders around me, including the district supervisor at the time there in the SoCal district, Jim Scott, uh, who, when I reached out for help and it was confirmed that I, you know, had not done anything illegal, immoral, or unethical, um, I, I was still in a place where I felt like uh, I'm going to need to quit because that's what all pastors do when they get to burnout. There were a few leaders, Jim being one of them, that, that said, we, we don't think that this church needs another uh, pastor to disappear. There had been kind of a long history of that at this church. Um, but, but we think that this pastor needs to see what it takes for a pastor to get healthy and then lead from a place of health. Um, I, I think just in the very beginning of that season, I would tell people, I think I'm as close to burnout as I could be without being in burnout. And in hindsight, I was actually, I discovered I was in burnout and I was afraid to say it. Wow. Because I felt like I wasn't susceptible to it. As a matter of fact, if there was one thing that I had said in the 15 years of ministry previous to that, that would never happen to me. You know, you always want to, you know, never use the term, this will never happen. You know, it'll never happen to me. But I used to actually say, Ashton, one thing that'll never happen to me because I'm kind of a low-key person, uh, I'll never burn out. And that's exactly what happened to me. So I think admitting our susceptibility and that a season like this can bring it, like admitting that that could be true for me. And am I skirting some of the edges? Is, am, am I looking at some of the symptoms of it? So for instance, uh, is, is my irritability more at the top of the surface of my iceberg? Um, am, I, am I finding myself, am I having emotional outbursts in places, whether it's anger or sadness even? Tears that are coming when I wouldn't normally cry. Is my sleep disrupted? Am I not sleeping well? Am I not getting... A, a solid seven to nine hours consistently um, every, every week. Um, am I losing a passion for the work that I do? Uh, are, are people making comments about how they feel like I'm a little bit 
you know, on thin ice or that they're on thin ice when they're around me. So some of those kinds of things, admitting that I'm susceptible and then being honest, doing honest evaluation, is that where I'm at? And then just, and then just be honest about it and deal with it. I take the steps, reach out to talk to somebody like whether it be myself or Robbie Booth at Center for Spiritual Renewal West, or maybe a counselor, therapist, coach, spiritual director in your life, reach out and just say, I think I need help. Um, when I came into this role five years ago, a major goal of mine hit, it still is to this day that by the time I, I'm done, however long the Lord allows me to do this work, I'd love to see our four-square pastoral culture become one where help is no longer a four-letter word. So reach out for help if that's where you're at. Um, I would say as well, pandemic-specific, um, be careful how many hours a week you're working. Um, you don't have to prove yourself to anybody. You can back off from the pressure of the person who used to say to you pre-pandemic, gee, don't pastors only work one day a week? And now uh, that person may be saying to you, do you even work at all? So I would say, pastor, you know how hard you work. And uh, I would encourage you, especially in this season of time where we, a lot of us have had to work from home, uh, look for the practical ways that you can turn ministry slash work turn come off the clock and just be you just uh for, for men out there that are that are married just be a husband if you've got kids just be a dad for a while if if you're a woman uh in, and you're married just be a wife for a while just be a mom for a while for those of you that are single just be a son or a daughter for a while just just be you as a person Arch Hart, who I consider the guru of pastoral care, used to say to pastors all the time, pastors don't forget that they're, pastors don't get into trouble because they forget that they're pastors. They get into trouble because they forget that they're people. And he, so he would talk about this overwork and the adrenaline that's stirring. And then I think a final one that I would give Ashton would be, um, especially in this season, this one's pandemic specific as well, but in this season where we're trying to figure out what reopening church means, I, I won't go down that trail of verbiage there, um, but you don't want to give us just the guidelines right now, Pastor Paul. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's enough people out there giving the guidelines, which is really my point to this one. Yeah. I would, what I'm saying to pastors regularly, Ashton is pastor, I just don't think Jesus is concerned about when, where, or how you're going to reopen. And I don't, I don't think that you have to be like the pastor next door or the pastor down the street, or even the pastor um, trying to rally thousands of other churches to reopen this Sunday. You know, the whole May 31st movement, Pentecost Sunday movement. Mm -hmm. that's uh, getting out in the news in California, I think pastors can feel really undue pressure to do it like everybody else is doing it. Uh, I like the phrase, I'm, it's not original to me. I have no idea who to even attribute it to. I've heard it from so many people, but I love the phrase, you be you. What is Jesus calling you to do as a pastor in this season? And how is he calling your church 
to be the expression of his body uh, in the community, in your online forums, whatever those venues look like for you. Uh, I don't even think we all have to have to do all that exactly the same as everybody else is doing. I, I believe we actually have an incredible opportunity um, ministerially, you know, pastorally in our communities to express who Jesus is that we have never been given before. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think the same is true for you as a person, Pastor, that Jesus is giving you the opportunity, not just as a pastor, but even a person to just learn what it, the, the whole church had to shift. And, and I, I just say, you better believe that Jesus wants you as a person to shift too. Mm-hmm. And so what's he stirring in you uh, that as you, you know, COVID come back or whatever you want to call it, how, is, how are you to be different? How are you to be transformed in the midst of all that's taken place? Yeah, that's so good, Pastor Paul. Yeah, I mean, it's not just a professional switch. It's a personal yes. switch or shift. And I absolutely I love that. Thank you for that. And, and I love that you're saying, hey, all of us here, you know, it doesn't matter what big leader you are, we all need help. Mm-hmm. We all are susceptible absolutely. to burnout, um, to just struggling. That's a human that part of just us being that human. And so um, I'm going to put up the resources here. I'm going to put a, a, a link to your website in the podcast and blog. Um, so if you're awesome. a leader, then that means you can get free counseling with Paul, you know, when he's yes. going to come out and visit when that's legal and <laughs> when we can do that. Yes. Again. Um, yes. Also, I'm going to put up a link to emotionally healthy spirituality because you mentioned that's awesome. a great resource. And then, um, yes. Pastor Paul, I'm going to ask you to send me over that link so I can also do the coronavirus seven stages of grief as well. Oh, absolutely. So, absolutely. I'd love to. Yeah. I'll yeah. Those resources for you. And if you're a youth leader, a kids leader, a young adults leader, or if you're just a person listening to this, you're going, wait a minute, I'm not a force for a pastor. I, you know, how am I supposed to get help? I want to encourage you. That's why you have a pastor or a leader or someone around you asking for help. Um, they're always yes. somebody there to help you. That's the senior pastor's job is to care for the rest of the people. And so that your senior pastor will care for you or me as a next gen rep, you can reach out and I will make sure you get care as well. Awesome. Everybody matters. And I want to make sure every leader is taken care of um, in my area of influence and the people that I get to love and serve. So Paul, thank you so much today for being on here, for just being real, authentic. I really appreciate you. We miss you here in SoCal, um, but we're so glad to connect with you, man. Yeah, it's been such an honor to be with you today. And, uh, you know, my my heart will always be connected uh, to Southern California and in my history there and you all. And we miss you guys a lot as well. Thanks, uh, Ashton. Hey, no problem. Go Lakers, go Dodgers. All right, anyways, love you, Paul. <laughs> go Hokies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. All right, love you, man. Thank you so much for being on here. All right.